Friday, October 7, 2005. Pacific Ocean, 120 miles west-southwest of San Diego, California. The darkness crept ever westwards through low, overcast skies, and the gusting northwest breeze whipped white crests onto the long wavetops. At this point of the evening, in the twenty minutes of no man's time between sunset and nightfall streaming in over the immense ocean, the Pacific takes on a deeply malevolent mantle. Its awesome troughs and rising waves glisten darkly in the last of the light. There's no bright, friendly phosphorescence in the bottomless waters out here. To stare down at the black seascape, even from the safe, reassuring deck of a warship, is to gaze into the abyss. O oh Lord, your ocean is so vast, and my boat is so small. Eight hundred feet into the abyss, way beneath the twilit melancholy of the surface, USS Seawolf thundered forward, making almost forty knots somewhere south of the Murray Fracture Zone. The 9,000-ton United States Navy attack submarine was heavily into her months of sea trials following a massive three-year overhaul. Sea Wolf was not at war, but a passing whale could have been forgiven for thinking she was. Forty knots is one hell of a speed for a 350-foot-long submarine. But Sea Wolf was built for speed, constructed to lead the underwater cavalry of the Navy anywhere, anytime and right now she was in deep submergence trials, testing her systems, flexing her muscles in the desolate black wilderness of America's western ocean. Powered by two 45,000-horsepower turbines and a state-of-the-art Westinghouse nuclear reactor, Seawolf was the most expensive submarine ever built. Too expensive. The Navy was permitted to build only three of her class, Connecticut and USS Jimmy Carter were the others, before budget restraints caused the cancellation of these jet-black emperors of the deep. Over a billion dollars was spent on her research and development before Seawolf was commissioned in 1997. Now, after her multi-million dollar overhaul, the submarine was without question the finest underwater warship in the world, the fastest, the quietest nuclear boat. At twenty knots there was nothing to be heard beyond the noise of the water parted by the bulk of her hull. She could pack a ferocious wallop, too. Seawolf was armed with a phalanx of tomahawk land-attack missiles which could travel at almost one thousand miles per hour to a target one thousand four hundred miles distant. She could unleash a missile with a four hundred and fifty-four kilogram warhead and hit an enemy ship two hundred and fifty miles away. She bristled with eight 26-inch torpedo tubes, launching bases for big Gould Mark 48s, wire-guided, homing, if necessary, to 27 miles. Highly effective, these weapons offered a kill probability of 50%, second only to the British spearfish. Seawolf carried sonars estimated as three times more effective than even the most advanced Los Angeles-class boats. She used both TB-16 and TB-29 surveillance and towed arrays. For active close-range detection, she used the BQS-24 system. Her electronic support measures, ESM, were nothing short of sensational. Any ship, anywhere within 50 miles, could not move, communicate, or even activate its sonar or radar without Seawolf hearing every last telltale sound. 
She was not a gatherer of clandestine information. She was an electronic vacuum cleaner, the last word in the U.S. Navy's most secretive, private, advanced research. And Captain Judd Crocker was darn proud of her. Never been a submarine to match this one, he would say, and I doubt there ever will be. Not in my lifetime. That was worthwhile praise. Judd knew about ships like the Rockies know about skiing. The son of a surface ship admiral, grandson of another, he was born into a family of Cape Cod yacht racers, and he'd been around boats of all sizes since he could walk. He didn't inherit his father's unique talents as a helmsman, but he was good, better than most, though destined always to be outclassed by the beady-eyed Admiral Nathaniel Crocker. Judd was forty years old now, a lifelong submariner. He had served as Seawolf's first executive officer back in 1997 and commanded her five years later. He received his promotion to captain just before she came out of overhaul and resumed command in the high summer of the year 2005. 